You are listening to Jesus is Better, a podcast series presented by Church on Mill, where we discover in a momentary trial the eternal truth that Jesus is better. Hello, everybody. Chuck Newkirk here. This is another edition of Jesus is Better, the podcast. And this is the beginning of season two. This is a podcast where we are discovering in a momentary trial the eternal truth that Jesus is better. And I am super excited today because we've got... Brian Jerry. Well, well, well. Tell us who you are. I am uh, Brian Jerry, a pastor. I got the privilege of pastoring Light in the Desert Church, way, way, way out east of here. Yes, you um, need a passport. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's a bit of a drive, so, uh, but it's good. Brian uh, is a, a dear friend, and many of you who are long timers at Churchill Mill will remember Brian. He served as a pastoral resident absolutely. with us yeah. and then uh, finished seminary and took a church. By God's grace, how long have yeah. you been there? So we've been there. Actually, next week will be four years. So wow. uh, April 23rd was our first Sunday. Wow. And uh, so, so correction, I graduated, then did the residency. And then after oh, the residency. Right. It's all just a blur. You, you know what? It was so fun. <laughs> it was. And good for you that <laughs> it just all a blur. Yeah. So yeah, four years. Can you believe it? It's, wow. it's been God's grace has wow. sustained us. It's wow. been a, that's great. a good time. So, and, and Church of Mill is such a, a big part of that, so we're grateful that's kind so of for you guys. But um, Maybe tell us quick one or two things about what's the Lord doing out there before yeah. we jump into our topic today. Yeah. We're going to monkey around on this topic. <laughs> so what you got? What's happening out at I Light song, in the Desert Baptist yeah. Church? Um, first of all, I thought of the song, Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys. But anyway, um, we're doing well. COVID, obviously... Oh, I mean, as with every church, there's a few complications and difficulties. But I'll say one thing we celebrate is the those that are in have leaned kind of further in. And so through that, that's been a great joy. Um, and so I think I've been really encouraged by that. I mean, I would get phone calls, text messages, I mean, consistently and emails of people encouraging me, praying for me and, and catching me up on the 10 or 12 phone calls they had that week with other members. So for that... I really celebrate. So the Lord allowed awesome. that to happen. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's one big thing. And so just with everybody else now, just wisdom as we push forward and, yeah. and figure out how to adjust here and there. And, and the second thing I'll say, though, with COVID, it's allowed us to, you, you know, you want to hit reset on some things, but you do it with a slow and steady kind of posture. But COVID allows us to kind of hit reset on a couple of things. So mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to adjust a little bit in our what we call our desert kids area. So that we can celebrate, too. Um, but it, it was hard, but there's some good things yeah. we're grateful for. So. You guys just stick kids out in the desert? Though? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why we call them desert kids. <laughs> and if they survive, then we consider them for membership. But other than that, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fabulous. I'm just kidding. That's I'm fabulous. Kidding. Awesome. Well, brother, we love you. We yeah. pray for you regularly. Well, thank you. Uh, grateful for you and um, look forward to uh, as God continues his work there, breathing life into his people and mm-hmm. then uh, get to see you guys and folks out. It's going to be amazing. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. So today we want to think uh, about a particular topic with you and yes. look forward to, to kind of grappling with it together. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially, I want to ask you, 
um, are are my ancestors apes? <laughs> now, I couldn't ask well, about yours because I know the answer to that. <laughs> but well, if you say my as in yours, the, the jury's out. <laughs> the, the jury's out. So it's possible. No. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, that's a, a fascinating question and multi-layered. But the quick answer is no. They're no. Not. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, we want to think together about that okay. because um, the the Bible has a ton to say on this yeah. topic and. Uh, although maybe some people might not realize it, uh-huh. it actually intersects with so much of everyday life. Absolutely. Like how do I treat people? Yeah. It's actually connected to what you believe about this. Right. So, Absolutely. Love to think with you about that. Okay. Appreciate you as a a fellow pastor and a uh, gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> scholar, yes, yes. Yes. True. So um, one of the things I think that's happened with, with COVID that we've kind of been exposed to is... Um, there have been some Christians who seem to think that COVID was just a hoax and this thing isn't very real and it's all overblown, not a big deal. The, 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 all the reaction is ridiculous and we should just go on about normal life. And that has caused me, watching that and processing my own thoughts and feelings about that, um, has, has made me more aware of how people might think about how I think about creation okay. and evolution. And um, it's been, it's given me an extra measure of empathy for people that might think if you are, you believe that God created the world, right? Um, then you don't believe in science. And you right. know, that's kind of an interesting thing. Right. So um, what, if, if somebody was to say to you, they're visiting your church, um, mm-hmm. And they hear you say that you you believe God created the world, um, and their response is, "Well, I I believe in science. Right? Um, how can you possibly think that a doctrine of creation in which God created the world makes any sense at all in a modern world? Right? How, how right. would you go about talking to that person? Um, I would direct them to church on Mill, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I I don't. I think it's fascinating when uh, we we try to consider. You know, the world is a fascinating place. When I, when I look at um, you know, trees or animals, like all of that stuff is fascinating in a, a lot of ways. And so, I think one of the things I'd want to try to I want to surrender to the individual, or at least direct them towards, is saying, you know, I, Genesis one and two are our main biblical mm-hmm. clear. Yep creation accounts, right? And so I'd want to direct them towards the point and purpose of what I feel Moses is trying to do within those those two texts is it seems to me that he, he it's a historical narrative. It's trying to tell God's people how creation came about. It doesn't seem to be as interested in putting forth um, a description of how you know, tissues formed or how cells move together to eventually make lungs and Uh hearts. And Uh so I think I want to say I'm holding to a position because of my love and affection for God's word. It's, it's a high authority, but I'm also acknowledging it's not a science book. It is telling me that God created the world. Moses is his primary point seems to be is that we need to hold to a reality that God created. He doesn't seem to really want to say this is exactly how cells are formed. Okay. So in one sense it makes me 
glad for science. If science is just simply trying to understand and gain knowledge of how things work, well, now at some level, it's just discovering how God put it together. Um, And so I don't find, Mm. I don't think science is going to take away from what Moses is saying, nor is he trying to articulate Mm. all the interwork. And so if I'm chatting with someone, I want to try to go there. Just I want to, what do you feel about God's word? What do you feel about the point of what Moses is trying to do? Are you reading the Bible as a science book? Mm. Um, If anything, science is, is wonderful discovery of how uniquely God created the earth. I don't think it's coming against it. And so I, I would lean into that first. Um, and so I think that's how I would address it by just, yeah, yeah. you know, Great. kind of unpacking why I hold to it is because of my view of, of the Bible. Sure. And what Moses is trying to do is to remind me that God created. That's what's most essential. So as science makes discovery and gains knowledge about the earth, in some sense, it causes me to rejoice mm-hmm. as God as creator. Um, and so I want to try to have a conversation around that and say, well, why I hold to it is because the, the Bible is, is is highest authority in terms of, well, who created. Um, and so, I mean, science is fun discoveries. And, yeah. and I remember when I was in college and my biology teacher, so I went, my undergrad was at Union and it was a Christian college. So, so here's my science teacher who's like, geeked out about science because he would he would talk about how much it makes him love and appreciate god Mm. as creator Mm. and so like he just set a tone even early on to just say like oh well this is a discovery of how god how god makes the world work um so so would you say science and creation are not at odds science i mean how would you what's the um, relationship between modern science and scripture yeah um I don't know, Chuck, what do you think is the relation between... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're at odds at all. Yeah, um, yeah. I think a naturalistic yeah. uh, worldview is. Yes. So if I start with the presupposition, they're, they're, the spiritual realm doesn't exist. Mm. And I must explain everything naturalistically. Right, right. Then, yes, that's obviously right. a, a bias against Scripture. Right. We're all predisposed to, uh, to a set of convictions. Yeah, so right. We should admit we have them. Yeah. So our 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 disposition is we take scripture at its word, right. and so we have a supernatural worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, but but science that's seeking to uncover what is, yeah, um, it is not at all yeah. at odds with the scriptures. Right. And yet, some of these folks that seem to you know um, say if you believe in Jesus, then you can't believe in COVID. Um, <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, it seems, but, it seems weird. But like, that's how a lot of people think right. about us that hold to, no, people didn't evolve over time. Right. Adam and Eve are a special creation of yeah. God. Yeah. So, um, Well, I think that's why I throw it back to you because I struggle even trying to articulate thinking through the answer because I feel like it's so layered and nuanced to say, well, what do you mean by science? What do you mean sure, by natural order? Sure, like, what sure. do you think through these types of things? Because I'm not at odds with discovering how the world works, which is a beautiful, like, beautiful that that people can think that way in such a level to tell us how things work Mm -hmm. um and i celebrate that so i think that you're right like it's it we need to say what do you mean by that you know that's a great can can god interrupt a natural order well yeah i think he can and that you may be think well then you can't believe in science well no like i just feel like god is powerful enough to be able to overcome what you would perceive as natural law natural order um to account for miracles in jesus and that 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 nature but i know from previous conversations with you that some elements of this topic strike pretty close to home for you. Yeah, would absolutely. you mind talking a little about that? Man, I I would love to talk about it because what 
when you reached out to me and Gracie had emailed me, um, one of the things that was most exciting to me to come and begin to talk about God as creator, I mean, and not only all the stuff in terms of around us, you know, our, our family loves to go out and be in nature. We enjoy that. Mm. But the reality, when I, when I consider myself, when I consider all that God has made, when I look at, at myself and others around me, it, it is overwhelming because, and I think, you know, we were, we were reflecting, and I think at some point at Churchill Mill, in one of the times I got the privilege to preach, um, we were talking about image of God, I think. But anyway, I shared a little bit of my story. Yes, but I remember it. And I, I so I was born with the birth defect, cleft mm. lip, cleft pilot. And so I struggled Did my whole— Did you say cleft pilot? Pilot. Okay. Did I say pilot? I might have. I'm from Tennessee, so enunciation <laughs> isn't always great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, um, and so <laughs> growing up, I deeply struggled with— um, Maybe I could say self-worth. At the mm. very least, what I struggled mm. with is that God had made a mistake on mm. me. What I perceived was is I'm less valuable because I don't seem, I don't seem to look like others. Mm. Um, I I have other struggles that other people don't. I didn't, at least they didn't perceive. Mm. And I can remember as clear as day. I, I literally am sitting in my bathroom in my parents' house and had you know, and I'm looking at the mirror, and. And I just remember it clears the day. The Lord said, you know, I don't make a mistake. Mm. And so it was very comforting to me. And so as I begin to think through, if God created me and I bear the image of God, well, the flaw of a birth defect doesn't diminish the dignity and worth because mm. it doesn't take away image of God. So yes. therefore, if we do bear the image of God, then a, a, no amount of defect diminishes that. Mm. Um, sure, it, it has its complications, and sure. sure, I might look different, and, and sure, my experiences might be different, but it doesn't—my value isn't changed. My worth isn't changed, and the Lord certainly doesn't make mistakes. And so we think of the categories that we're thinking through, the first three chapters of Genesis— Man, it is it is unbelievable, and how what you do with those three chapters is going to set a a course for the rest of your life. That's true. Of of either just deep heartache and mm-hmm. difficulty, um, or saying, you know what, the Lord doesn't make mistakes. So there's a real personal sense that when I think of image of God, it it overwhelms me, and my wow. identity isn't wrapped up in the external look of me, but rather the inherent worth because of image of God, and yeah. so. Even though you got those eyes. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> those eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. So yeah. you're you're referencing a, a concept that probably everybody listening to this has heard, mm-hmm. image of God, mm-hmm. um, but maybe hasn't done a deep dive on. Yeah. So I wonder if we could wrestle with that for a couple of minutes okay. together. So yeah. Genesis chapter 1, you're, you're referring to, it yeah. says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you're grounding us back there. What mm-hmm. What is this concept of being made in the image of God? Yeah, um, there's great reading out there. Um, and I think as I've spent a lot of time considering and, and thinking through, what does that mean to be in image, to be in the likeness? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, a couple helpful categories have helped me think through the difference between what does it mean to bear the image and likeness of God. Um, and so this isn't new to me. Historically, I think theologians have tried to grapple with yep. what does it look like. And so I think, I really think this is what, even when we, we're going through the book of Genesis right now, okay. we preach this text, I, I found this to be helpful to articulate what it might mean to bear the image and be in the likeness Great. of God. Um, and so structural aspect and a functional aspect. Okay. Um, if And here's a resource. We're talking about giving out resources. Um, 
Anthony Hulkama, Hulkama. Uh, image of God. He he unpacks a good bit of this. So so structure would be this. Uh, it, it's aspects that we have as humans that we are endowed with certain traits which make them distinct. Uh, the capacity to know and reason, communicate through language, moral decision making. So okay. there's something about our structure inherent to who we are that we bear the image of God that might be seen in those particular aspects. But not only so, so we're made in such a way to go do something, which would be the functional mm. aspect. Uh, so humans function as God's representatives on earth, ruling and caring for creation. So where do I get that? Well, you get the, that mandate yes. to, to go and subdue. So I'm made in such a way that there's a structure to me that there's something within that that bears the image of God um, in his likeness. And so therefore... I function in such a way by by uh, ruling and caring um, for God's good creation. So those mm. categories have helped me a little bit to think about what is it, because that's the thing that actually separates us from the animals, because in the creation account, animals are, uh, they're actually told to be fruitful and multiply. Well, that's a similarity there, but then it, it, it radically changes when it comes to that point. Right. Sure. And then Genesis 2, which is the second kind of creation account that narrows in like Genesis 1 would be like Google Earth, you know, and then Genesis 2 is like, okay, now I'm at the street level map. Okay, that's really helpful. And highlighting male and female yeah. because we are pinnacle of creation. There's there's just no other way around it. What What is it about us then? Well, this image of God thing, well, what right. is that? Well, right. it seems like how we're made and therefore how we're to function, which Genesis 2 impacts a lot further of, of the function that's great. Of, of humanity. Yeah, so really helpful. Um, so I think those things have helped me over the years mm-hmm. to, to grapple with it. So it's not that we it's not that we could hold up a mirror and say we look like right, God. Right, right. I mean, he's he's spirit. Well, I mean, with blue eyes, you, you can. <laughs> Other than that, you, you can. <laughs> so it's not that we look like him. It's yeah. that we bear uh, other markers uh-huh. of his likeness. Right. Um, and there's no mention, there, there's no indication in Scripture that... Um, that animals have a soul, for right, example. Right, we don't have any right, sense that they can get right, saved or have yeah. a relationship with God. Right. So we're of a different a different class. Yeah, yeah, um, no doubt. And yeah. so you're, you've helpfully pointed out it's partly who you are and partly what you do. Yeah, yeah. right. So well, we can't drive a wedge between the two because part of um, <laughs> the uh, human flourishing, you know, has to capture like who we are primarily in relation to what God has created us to be. Yep. And so there's no possibility of human flourishing without understanding well, how, how did God create us right. and what are we created for? So you, you, you can't even really have uh, an opportunity or understand how I am to flourish or how humanity in turn is to, to flourish without relation to, to God. Uh-huh. Because if we bear the name of God, which separates us from all of the creation, right. Well, then he's a creator, and so therefore, what does he want me to do? Like, I can't anticipate to flourish, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. but I, I, you know, I got a question for you, though. Okay. I was, um, as I was thinking through this and personally how the Lord has used this, so I wonder, just even thinking about your story, you know, image of God, how has that sustained you even as you've grappled with new realities, um, new limitations, and things of that nature? Um, has it helped at all, or have you, has it? Sustains you through that time. Um, do, do you mean in relationship to having a disease? Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, I, I I struggled with these these issues as categories um, in my twenties uh-huh. on the um, on the level of is the Bible telling the truth uh-huh. and is it trustworthy and if everything I hear in society even twenty years ago. Um, 
24 years ago, yeah. um, was telling me evolution is how people came to be, that there was a big bang and that that caused the, uh, the first creation of something that eventually evolved into a human being. Right. If that's what the quote unquote evidence points to, then why do I take the, should I trust the Bible? There's just one in a long string of things that I really grappled with, but, right. um, gosh, trying to give you a short answer here. Um, <laughs> I went to, I went to Rwanda, uh, in my late twenties on a mission trip and there was an island on this big, huge lake that mm -hmm. the missionary had been trying to get into for a long, long, long time. And she was a woman who lived out by herself, and, and it's mostly mostly men, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a wise thing for her to do to just go out there. Right. And they were a, they were thought of as a different ethnicity, hmm. and so she used us being there as the occasion to go visit this island and. Uh, Rwanda is a beautiful country. I mean, incredibly beautiful. Um, and yet all that I'd ever heard about Rwanda was um, the Hutus and the Tutsis and right, the, right, yeah. the, the, the really horrendous genocide that had happened there. But what I didn't know is there's this third people group hmm. and they're, they're literally stuck on this island because... Um, so, so we get out there and we're meeting people and... Um, incredibly poor and uh, no access to information um, so things like they didn't understand why there were so many kids they did they didn't they didn't understand the relationship between intercourse and a pregnancy right. for example yeah. so just very sad um, and and I finally asked the missionary what what's the deal why did they I don't understand. Why is this group out here treated so much worse than everybody else? All I'd ever heard about was the other two. Yeah. And uh, her response was, well, if you look, you'll see that their uh, their jaw bones are slightly bigger and their lips are bigger. And they believe that they're not as evolved as hmm. the Hutus and the Tutsis. And um, that's what happens if we take a right. naturalistic worldview right. without view to God as creator and people made in the image of God. And we stretch that to its natural conclusions. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, this was something that, you know, in that decade of my life, I really came to terms with right. and had to grapple with in substantial ways. So um, getting, getting sick in a kind of sickness that apart from supernatural intervention is not going to go away right. and waking up every day sick yeah. um, ha has been a huge adjustment. Um, but I think I already had the categories by God's grace straight mm -hmm. in my mind. Yeah. And um, there's been days that, especially early on, uh, Brian, that I didn't know would I ever preach again? Right. Would I ever be able to lead a staff again? Would my kids ever see me play basketball or go on a dirt date out in the woods? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I definitely had those days. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I struggled at the level of, I am I still a human being? Right. Does God right. still love me? Yeah. Um, I, I did struggle at the the just the potential loss of yeah. those things. But I didn't go crazy because... <sighs> Um, personhood isn't connected to the positions that I hold. Right. It's a yeah, it's amen. an innate trait given by God. Mm -hmm. So I think in His kindness, I already kind of grappled with right. some of those things. Right. So, and I think like that's like 
So we're talking about are, are, are things that sustain us. And yeah. I think that's the point, sure. you know, that's just so phenomenal because if we remove them, you know, I think, well, um, and it made me think of a quote and I, I wrote it down that Francis Schaeffer one time said, once one removes the createdness of all things, meaning and categories can only be some sort of leap with or without drugs into an irrational world. Mm. And so you think about, you know, once you remove all of that, it's just, it's a leap into things. Yeah. And so the matters we're talking about are so significant yeah. in understanding who we are. Yeah. But yeah. That's good. So, you know, in a church like Church on Mill, where um, there there's a diversity of ages, mm-hmm. and yet we lean young, mm-hmm. um, one of the things we've got to do is help uh, young men understand the image of God right. and the implication of that on how they treat women mm-hmm. and why pornography is so horrendous. Right. It's connected to um, you, you are dehumanizing yeah, someone right. that's God's made in his image. Mm-hmm. Um, your setting is pretty different. Right. Very different. Um, so you've got people on the other end of life. Mm-hmm. The majority, you, you've got, you know, a diversity and yet you lean towards the sunset years. Yep. How does image of God impact um, a church in which most people are older. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. One of the things when we landed out there, um, I, I wanted to do well is to help people, you know, usher them into the final stages yeah. of life well. Um, we want to be a church that deals with end of life stuff really, really well. And unfortunately, at times, as people grow older, you know, they they can be viewed as less valuable mm. with less dignity. Mm. And so the reality is, is, if I go back to image of God is inherent to how God has made us, then old age doesn't diminish it. And so therefore, if someone isn't as skilled as they used to be, or they uh, they walk really slow, or they, you know, they, uh, they, they just, they can't do the things they used yeah. to do. That doesn't mean anything. They're, they're still more, they're still just as valuable and they have as just as much dignity as they did before. And right. so just last week, um, an older lady had been in and out of the hospital and the doctor's trying to figure out what was wrong with her. Uh-huh. So they finally discover kind of what's wrong and they begin to say, okay, here's how we can help that. But one of the things they said is you can't go back home. You can't because she lives by herself and she was trying to take care of herself. And so she's so old that she just can't take care of herself. So they're like part of her issue was malnourished. Like she just, she couldn't take care of herself. And so unbeknownst to us, because every time she walks in the door, there's a smile on her face. She's super joyous. Mm. Like she's an incredible woman. And so next thing we know, like all of a sudden, like she just simply can't take care of herself. And so now the question comes, what do you do with her now? Mm -hmm. How do you help her? Mm -hmm. And so, um, her stepdaughter, her own real daughter, won't even like help, but the stepdaughter does. And so wow. we as a church would jump at the chance. Why? Because she's in the image of God sure. and she needs to go to her group home. And so absolutely we will financially help yeah. and support her uh, mm-hmm. until she can get some other means by which she can do that. But absolutely we're going to do it. Why? Because primarily she bears the image right. of God. She's still right. worth right. and valuable. So the fact that she can't even make proper food for herself, well, we need to, how can we help her? Because mm-hmm. she's still valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as people grow older, they're probably going to struggle with worth because it's tied to what I used to could do. Right. My value was because I could think real quick on my feet. Now I can't. Mm. Um, my uh, I People liked me because I had an athletic ability mm-hmm. and I don't have any. Mm-hmm. So these things really fail in old age. Yeah. But we can still treat them with tremendous, you know, respect and dignity. So, so we're we're praying through and thinking through. What does it mean to be like? Okay, so what is a group home? How do we do that? Do we know the ones? Like we're just thinking through all these things, so that as someone ages, they can still feel 
the image of God and yep. still understand that they're valuable and, yeah. and worth something. Even if they lose some of the functionality, yeah, they absolutely. still are right. Valuable. They're losing all their friends. Yeah. Everybody's gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're losing their abilities. Yeah. Um, and so all they know is loss. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, and that's painful. So yeah. creation really helps us. Uh, the, the doctrines related to creation that mm -hmm. God made the world right. and that Adam and Eve were real people uh -huh. put in a real place yeah. that were specially made by God. They did right. not evolve from apes. Yeah. Um, and that uh, they were made in his image and all the progeny thereafter. So right. everybody else who's ever right. existed. Yeah. So that has, that has implications for uh, whether you're uh, what you believe about pregnancy, what yeah. you believe about abortion, mm -hmm. what you believe about, an infant who can't do anything for right. him or herself. Right. What you think about pornography, and all the way to uh, your in your eighties or nineties, yeah. and you know, so yeah. just a massive issue. Yeah. Um, what uh, What do you think about um, major questions society is asking today? Okay. That perhaps if we've lost the image of God, lost doctrine of creation, and everything's naturalistic. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's here because it's here. Mm -hmm. Um, what does, what does that do to society? Or if I come out the other way, right. um, how does being made in the image of God address some of the major issues or right. questions or struggles people right. have? Is there one or two of those things maybe you could speak to as we yeah. begin to draw this yeah. toward a close? Um, I think if Schaefer's right, we lose all this chaos is, is the end result. Um, it, it's kind of fitting, and you know, if we think about the current cultural climate, there's a lot of chaos of thinking in terms of uh, race, gender, marriage, like all these types of things are really thrown into chaos. Mm -hmm. Because once you shift from the most essential thing that makes us most human is the image of God, then then you have to grab at something else to find value. Mm -hmm. So then I, I might grab at uh, race, I okay. might grab at um, you know economic gain, I mm -hmm. might grab at um, the interest that you have. So like now we're grabbing at things and at the end of the day, the, the self becomes the highest form of what determines is most valuable and most worth. Wow. So I think once, if image of God is so grounding that it does, I think it would help tremendously in understanding, um, uh, that all the other things we oftentimes grab at for value will fail us at some point. That's and so image of God will, will keep us grounded. And okay. so it, it's a better starting point in any conversation. So therefore, it's like, of course I would treat you with dignity no matter your race, because you bear the image of God. Um, as, and, and, and we all would agree, we've met some folks that maybe sin has, has marred it. Mm -hmm. It's not as visible, mm -hmm. but it's there sure. because we bear it. It doesn't go away. So it, it's a more substantial answer, as I would say. And I think that that becomes a better thing because you're going to grab at a whole bunch of, of other things. So I, I, I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of a, a quick one that as I was thinking through our, our cultural climate, as we've been going through Genesis, praise the Lord. I mean, by His good grace, we started to go through Genesis because it's provided the best answers to all the, the cultural chaos That's great. at some level. That's uh, great. And it grounds us to what's most important yeah. and gives us an answer, you know, in terms of, of, of you know, chapter three, we understand why the world is chaotic. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. That's great. Very insightful. Encourage everybody to think through that carefully. Thanks for raising that as yeah. an issue. Yeah. Um, Brian, as we, as we uh, draw this to a close, you mentioned a book. Um, remind us of what that was. Yeah, so Anthony Holcomb, uh, called The Image of God. Okay. Uh, great work. I think it's an older work, but a pretty substantial 
um, kind of gold standard when we're thinking through the image of God. Excellent. So, yeah. That's a, um, that is a real good one. Um, I would point everybody towards um, our Church on Mills membership statement of faith. Article 3 speaks to humanity, uh, the creation of humanity. So that would be another good place to look. Yeah. And we've got scripture references there that people could look up. Anything else that you'd want to encourage people to look at or read? I, I would say you, you may think you've read Genesis 1 through 3 enough, but read it again mm. uh, and just kind of grapple with seeing how if Moses is writing to help the people of God, um, then consider what he's trying to lay before you, that God as creator. Um, and we can't let go of that because when we do, like it throws everything in turmoil. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then chapter three, though it's it's terrible, it, it gives us insight to why things are the way they are. So I would just say just coming back and revisiting those three chapters over and over again, just grounding ourselves in what we really believe about ourselves is, is going to be so helpful. Um, I think anthropology is going to be the thing the church is going to have to be very clear on mm-hmm. and we're going to have to have good adequate answers i can't i can't imagine what my two kiddos everett and avery what they'll have to answer as as the world progresses so yeah. anthropology or, or this doctrine of humanity becomes very essential yes um so be clear yeah. on, on what you believe that's good um, absolutely so, yeah thanks that's really helpful reminders um so uh, church, we would say that, you know, people can hold different godly, sincere, serious Bible believing Christians can hold different positions on things like, um, are these seven literal days in Genesis one and two 24 hour periods, or are they seven periods of time? There's really good arguments for either one of those positions. And, um, that we, we don't at all disbelieve that there is evolution within a species that, uh, some animals are impacted by their environment in such a way that they adapt and change to survive. Um, but that um, macro evolution of the creation of Adam and Eve uh, evolving out of something already existence in existence is just so fundamentally contrary to the Bible that yeah. you got to hold to it right. and that it has very practical implications mm-hmm. on everyday life. Brian, we love you. We miss you. We thank God for you. Well, brother, I, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. And, and you guys, Churchill Mill, just at, at large, is so dear to our heart and so grateful for you. And and Gracie, who's here, grateful for her as well. So, um, yeah, thankful for the church, man. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jesus is Better. For more info, visit us at www.churchonmill.org. That's church on M-I-L-L dot O-R-G.